And now it's time for the UP's favorite live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, presented by John's Auto Marquette. Here's Blake Froling. What's going on, Marquette? Max Stevens in the studio here with you, alongside Thomas Dunstan and Charlie Bremer here on a Tuesday. We're going to talk some Lions. Let's just jump right into it. Oh my goodness, did they look ridiculous. It is not a good day to be a Lions fan. Uh, is there such a day? Is there ever a good day to be a Lions according fan? According to Lions fans, there are good days to be fans, but uh, uh, it was not one of them. They, they are few and far between. I'm not even a Lions fan, but just being just being a football fan from the metro Detroit oh, area, yeah. it, it was physically painful to watch what transpired last night. It was pitiful. Well, I just, the whole time during the game, I wanted to text Blake. I didn't. I, I let him. I, I I let him off the hook easy. He texts me during the Packers game. Oh, season's over. That's all. It's what the whole message says. Season's over. And um, I'm like, no way, man. Packers are gonna win this. They come back and win it. Well, then the Lions last night getting it done to him by the Jets. Do you guys think their season's over? Should I text Blake and tell him? Should I let him know? You know what? I don't even think it's a hot take, but I'm going to say, yeah, the Lions are not going anywhere. That, I didn't have that, high hopes for them going into the season. And granted, it's one game. All right, it's one game, but they didn't look good in the preseason. They got destroyed by the, the Jets of all teams. That's what I get for playing the Lions defense in fantasy and counting on them to be able to stop a rookie quarterback. You know, but that's that's what I get, you know. And Stafford looked miserable on that subject, too. I mean, yeah. he just four interceptions. One was a pick six. And he had a lot of those a lot of those throws he had no business making. I mean, that he's, a, he's exactly, a veteran QB. There's no is, excuse yep. for that. There was not a lot of bright spots, if any. I mean, you know, four picks for Stafford, who is supposed to be, you know, their franchise player for the past couple of years, just looking absolutely miserable out there. Getting punked by a rookie on the Jets. I mean, come on. And, I mean... It looks like the Lions went in, went back in time about six years, seven years with, with, with the way Stafford was getting hit, his picks. You couldn't have put it more perfectly. He had no business making any of those throws mm -hmm. on the, uh, that last pick he threw, or was it the third one? I, he was like thrown into triple coverage, and then the linebackers playing a soft zone underneath, and that's who picked the ball off. And it's just, you know, I wonder what what is he doing making these throws? Last year he only threw what. 10 or 12 picks and then he comes back with that yeah uh, it's just unexplainable and like you said no bright spots they got owned on special teams uh, there there's nothing to look to uh they uh prater was missing easy kicks nothing mm -hmm. and you know we talk about stafford really struggling but of course he didn't get a whole lot of help from his receivers marvin jones jr dropped several passes he had his hands on a lot of throws from Matt Stafford, and just he just couldn't reel them in. Golden Tate, too. Mm -hmm. Dropping wide receiver screens. That is the Lions' bread and butter. They have not been able to run the ball for years. Mm -hmm. They mitigate that with their wide receiver screen noise, these little bubble screens. Well, if they're dropping the ball, they can't even... It's like dropping a handoff. Mm -hmm. It's like fumbling a handoff. Absolutely. Right, it's just despicable. Yeah, they they didn't do any of their big main points that they always do, and they certainly didn't do any of the small ones either. There was not a lot to look forward to as a Lions fan. You know, yeah, the Lions get it get it bad in here, and 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 that was even with Blake, and and he's a hardcore Lions fans, a Lions fan. I don't I don't think anybody in this room 
is a hardcore Lions no, fan. No. So now they're really taking it, yeah. aren't they? But I mean, isn't this one deserved after watching uh, absolutely. that game? I mean, this is, you know, yeah, you're, you're gonna you're gonna hear it, and we're gonna come on and rip the Lions when they play like that. You get blown out, 31 points, season opener against the Jets. The Jets. J E T S. Yeah. Looking at this scoring breakdown, end of the first, seven to seven, you know, decent. End of the second, seventeen or seventeen ten in favor of the Jets. And then uh, what happened in the third quarter? Thirty one to seven scoring in the third quarter in favor of the Jets. Well they were giving up uh the Jets defense was scoring touchdowns. Like I said, special teams touchdown return that. Mm-hmm. They couldn't even push that guy out of bounds. No, and it was just really ineptitude all around the ball. They were we slow. Did people, everyone's coming out and praising Sam Darnold for handling himself so well. Mm. He didn't have to do a whole lot. No, he no. did. He really didn't. I mean, in the third quarter, the um, the Jets had scored fourteen points in between the two times their offense actually stepped out onto the field. And and that run by Isaiah Crowell what was that like a sixty yard touchdown run? And yeah, uh, I believe was it was at the beginning of the 65. fourth, mm-hmm. end of the yeah. third. The way he outran, uh, he, was it Quandre Diggs? He just, burst of speed, outran just no everybody in Detroit's secondary. And, it, it, I mean, it was like the Lions were playing slow, but these guys were literally getting outran by running backs. And, and I, I, can't, I can't understand how this team came out so flat and so slow mm-hmm. with uh, – a new coach, and and of course they always do it during when a team's getting blown out. They always gotta every five minutes zoom in on the losing coach, mm-hmm. on, uh, zoom right in on his face. Patricia's just you know looking mm-hmm. grumpy as yeah. heck. But what's he gonna do? But I mean, you know, there's only so much you can do as a coach in that situation. I mean, I'm sure there's adjustments he could have made, but when it comes to players just not performing, you know, mm-hmm. what do you do? And yeah, and it, it's kind of a new. In the old NFL, you would have seen the coach there standing there just ripping the guys, just screaming at them. And now it's the whole age of, you know, players, player respect. You don't see the coaches. The players leave that more on the coach, on the positional coaches and on the players themselves. Uh, The coaches, the head coaches and coordinators kind of lean off on that a little bit but man last night it would have been nice to see patricia getting somebody's grill and light yeah, him up a little bit absolutely. wouldn't it it, it, it really would have especially well deserved. there was one play in particular that really stood out to me and that was uh the first touchdown pass uh that the jets well the first offensive touchdown that the jets scored or maybe it was the second i can't remember but the point is at the there end so of the many. second quarter <laughs> yeah, right. at the end of the second quarter Darnold's throwing a, a, a fade route into the end zone. And our safety, right, Tavon Wilson, is in perfect position to make this interception. There is no excuse for why this play wasn't, at the very least, an incomplete pass. And it just went right by him and just right into the breadbasket. Even on replay, the dude, it's supposed to be like a back over the shoulder fade into the corner of the end zone. It's grossly underthrown. He's in perfect position to, at the very least, get his hand in there and knock it away. And he doesn't. There's, um,. I mean, I always talk about, oh, I played semi-pro football. I've had those plays at where I'm playing safety. I thought, oh, this ball's not getting by me. I get a little locked up, cross my feet for a split second. All of a sudden, the ball's over my head, you know, and, oh, man, is that ever embarrassing? In a semi-pro league, it's embarrassing. I couldn't imagine having yeah. it happen to you in an NFL game. Mortifying, That is despicable. Mm-hmm. And, of course, some of the credit for this Lions uh, loss and humiliation has to go 
to Ryan Stieg, who came on yesterday, and myself, admittedly, who came on yesterday. We both were like, oh, yeah, this should be an easy game for the Lions. They should come out, get a, you know, the NFL threw him a bone. They gave him the Jets at home on Monday night. The Jets are playing Darnold. He's never played in the NFL before. You see, you know what? Admittedly, that one might have been my bad. Let, let's be honest, Stieg's though. Bad. I mean, looking at this game before the game, you know, before anything at all, looking at this game on paper, it looks like an easy one for the Lions. I I'm gonna toot my own horn. I was the only one on Friday that picked the Browns to have a chance against the Steelers. Obviously, they didn't win, but they tied. Like I said to you guys before the show, that counts as a that counts as a win for me, right? That that gives me the lead dog. I get that little trophy for the week. But anyway. I told Blake over and over again, I've been telling him for weeks, um, Todd Bowles coach teams have tough defenses, and what kills the Lions is a tough defense. They, it forces them into turnovers, mm. and things start to unravel. Well, that could not have happened more than last night. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not, I didn't call the game. I thought the Lions were going to win, but I just, yeah, I thought it, it could be a little closer than what everybody was saying. Nobody saw that coming last night, though. Right. Absolutely not. Now, I mean, bashing the lines aside, what do you think this game means for the Jets? Is is this, you know, the start of a good season, or are they just going to go back to Start uh, of a 7-9, 8-8 season. I don't know. I'm still not convinced. A lot of people are praising uh, Darnold for the way he handled the game, for the way he bounced back after his for the first pass of his career was a pick six. And admittedly, he does deserve some credit for that, but I still don't understand the hype around this kid. I never, I didn't like him that much when he was at USC. I thought he turned the ball over overrated. way too yes. often. Yep. thought he was overrated. Uh, he got exposed when he played Ohio State, and USC just crumbled. And last night, first pass, he comes out and throws a pick six. Of course, he does bounce back from that, as we keep saying, but... I, I still don't understand the hype around Darnold. I don't think it's going to be any sort of remarkable season for the Jets. I think perhaps if they showed one thing, it's that obviously since no one was expecting anything from the Jets, they have the potential to surprise some teams. Yeah. You yep. can't just look at your schedule. And if there's anything they did prove week one, I think it's that you can't just look at your schedule and go, oh, the Jets, W. It's not going to be that easy when you play yeah. the Jets. There, I mean, looking at this season, there's not a lot of teams you can just write. I mean, there's certainly a few teams you might be able to write off, as you know. We fully expect this to be an easy win, but, uh, I mean, besides the Lions and maybe the Browns, there's not a lot of teams you can do that um, for. Even, no. even the Lions and Browns, you know the Lions are going to have their good games. Yeah, that um, is true. The NFL is really, they've, they're getting the parity that they've always wanted. And, um, you know, obviously last year there was the Browns, you know, a garbage team. But even teams that were finishing 4-12, and 3-13, and 13, like the Bengals and stuff, were they really that bad? They took the Packers to overtime. I mean, even the teams that weren't looked upon as the medium, middle-of-the-pack teams, the 8-8 eight and eight teams, even these poor teams, it's like they all had the potential – to win more games than they did. Mm, and right. the NFL is just getting the parity that they've always wanted. And I really think, you know, the Jets will probably finish anywhere between 6-10 and 10 to 8-8. Eight and eight. And um, like you said, Darnold, he's going to have his moments. He seems like a quarterback that can bounce back. That is a big deal in the NFL. Can you forget about that last throw and come back, make the next one? He's going to cost them some games. He's going to win them some games. But I, I just can't believe the, how the Lions 
I mean, we could say it a million times, and I guess this should be the last time I say it, how they just came out, and you could you could put it any number of ways, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. And laid an egg. That's mm-hmm. how I'll and put it. One of the worst things about this game, you said it earlier, Charlie, was that the Lions haven't had any semblance of a running offense in many, many years. That is not looking like it's going to get any better, especially when in the second quarter, LeGarrette Blunt goes down and does not return. That was not... I, I couldn't believe how Lions fans were getting all pumped up about this old, what, 36, however old he is. I don't know if he's 36, but mid-30s running back coming in. He, you really think a mid-30s running back is going to come in and save your running game? I told them all, it, and especially Blake, if if the Lions are going to have a running game, it's going to be because of Kerryon Johnson and Amir Abdul on third downs. You know, he might get you some goal line situations. You know, old running backs, they seem to still be able to carry their success in the red zone. But now that he's injured, I just think the Lions need to go back to square one. They should not have – it seems like they went away from their game plan last night. They should have just stuck with their game plan, run the ball more in the second half. And if they're going to lose the game, lose the game. But don't throw five picks. Run the ball more. Hold on to the ball. Run that clock down. Don't get blown out like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stick to your game plan. And and let's let's play the – third and fourth quarter let's see what we can carry over to next week Mm -hmm. Uh, they were just they seemed like they got more and more desperate and more desperate and things just kept getting worse and worse yeah i mean they they didn't do a whole lot to save any face at all they they just you know jets put the pedal to the metal and lions didn't do anything about it no jets were just a better team and that is, I think that really sums it up. Yeah. Better and team. Things aren't going to get any better for the Lions either. They have a week six bye. There are four games in between then and the bye week. At San Francisco, at home against the Patriots, at Dallas, and then at home against Green Bay. Wow. You look at that and you go, geez, I mean, can you really, can you really, are the Lions really favored in any of these games? I... I wouldn't think so. If maybe if the it was maybe if they were playing the Lions at home, they could be favor or the 49ers at home, they could be favored in that game, but I the 49ers looked awfully good yeah. against the Vikings. Right. You know that 5 and 0 start with Garoppolo last year, he didn't play very well. I was so I was very surprised with the rest of the team that defense played fast. That is not going to be an easy win for anybody that, oh. you know, I believe everybody in the NFC North plays the 49ers. That was a put-you-on-notice game, what the 49ers did to the Vikings. Yep, and, absolutely. Um, whew, that's going to be a tough one for everybody in the North. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, the NFC North is going to be a really tough division this year. We saw Chicago showed flashes on Sunday night. They're a team that's going to surprise some people. Their defense was legit. Um Trubisky played solid, of course, you know, down the stretch. He couldn't quite finish that drive. That, but That is, yep, that is exactly why I kept telling everybody. We have these parties, these we call them Packer parties. Everybody at that party was just all down first half. Oh, season's over, season's over. I'm like, man, this is not sustainable. This Trubisky success is not sustainable. The Packers are going to be able to have a chance to come back in the fourth quarter as long as Aaron can put it together. And, of course, they did. But... That, as you were saying, that Bears defense is real. Mm-hmm. Very, very oh, real. That front seven is a top ten in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. 
And I thought they were before mm-hmm. Mac. And now with the addition of him, whew, mm-hmm. that is dangerous. Mm-hmm. We saw how dominant Khalil Mack was on Sunday, and we saw just how much impact he can have with his performance on Sunday, of course. And then also the absence of him, uh, the Raiders really struggling. We'll get to, uh, we'll touch on that a little bit next. So stay with us on the Sports Pen. We're talking more football when we come back. Now back to the Sports Pen. Here's Blake Froling. Pigskin Payday is back. Pick the winners of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize at Ojibwe Casino's Berga Marquette. Welcome back to the Sports Pen. Max Stevens in the studio with you, alongside my coworker Thomas Dunstan. We got Charlie Bremer in studio with us as well. We're gonna talk some more football. Last night's Lions disaster. Thankfully, was not the only football game on TV last night. We also were treated to Oakland, uh, L.A. The coaching debut of John Gruden did not go well for him. Didn't go well for any new coach over the weekend. The stat was, I think, new coaches were 0-6. Interesting. And the Rams, they look great. I mean, that was kind of expected, though, was it not? Rams have been a lot of people's favorites. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, they just proved it. With the Rams, I really felt like during off-season last year, free agency, there was a lot of hype building up. Then throughout preseason, it seemed to kind of fall off. Yeah. And then now after this week one win, it's it's kind of back to where it was. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I really didn't hear a lot about them. Uh, anything preseason, really. You no, know, off-season, yeah, exactly. Friends yep. of mine who are Rams fans were, you know, all gung-ho about this season, but preseason they just kind of fell off and uh now they're right back at it i was i i had mentioned a couple weeks ago man you look at that rams roster on the new madden game it's filthy <laughs> oh man they got a crazy i can't remember what the overall was man it's nuts that is one big uh benefit to the nfl season you get those uh new madden games coming out and you get to play as a team have you guys seen the new madden hall of fame version have either of you guys played that? i have i haven't gotten that chance quite yet i want to meet somebody who's checked that out i want to I get a review on that it looks pretty sweet it's like 80 bucks though so i don't know about <laughs> that i can't i can't lie to you guys i haven't played a football video game since ncaa football 14 no! that was the last football hey, well game I, I mean played. when these games aren't on tv you got to do something mm-hmm. if you want to get your yeah. football and, fix you know honestly i i gotta say i prefer nfl blitz on my old sega oh, it's basically geez. like if it's nba jam but with football like at there's no pass interference you can just spear <laughs> guys out of the air after NFL. every play like you tackle guys with wwe moves like i think i've choke slammed a few people back like, in the heyday of video games when Absolutely. there was a foul button in sports oh you oh, could totally. do that you could do that on the old madden i had an old madden 2000 for n64 you mm-hmm. could put it on arcade mode the the <laughs> you couldn't get john madden cursing like the <laughs> announcers do on NFL Blitz but you, you could hey. you could hit some guys after the after the play was over at least absolutely and we digress a little bit back to yeah back, bring, bring it back in there was real signal. football we that have real football now. we don't right. have to talk about virtual right. football. yeah we don't have to talk right. about virtual stuff i'm just so used to it yeah we, you know of course we, were, we we brought it up earlier we saw the absence of Khalil Mack we saw the impact the the difference he makes on a game we saw what he did to green bay on Mon- on sunday night then Yikes. yesterday we saw what oakland did without him and the answer was absolutely nothing not a lot jared goff had all day to throw the football yep I mean, the defense was just, you know, like you said, it was just missing something without Khalil Mack. Well, it was already, yeah, last year it was already, it was who are they going to bring in opposite of Khalil Mack, 
because he was basically their whole pass rush. Yep. And now he's gone. Now who are they going to bring in opposite of anybody? They need somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's who's the, who's their number one option? They're down to what? Rookie Mo Hurst on the D line. Yeah, like, um, as great of a player as Mo Hurst was in college, you can't expect him to just come in and fill Khalil Mack's shoes. Is is, is Ahmad Brooks available? <laughs> where's Dwight Freeney? Give me the Dwight Freeney number. Dwight Freeney. These where's the uh, veteran pass rusher tree? Well, we need to pick mm-hmm. a couple. Of, mm-hmm. We need some ripe ones. Mm-hmm. And of course, we bring this up because every team in the NFC North is going to play the Rams at least once this year. Whoever wins the division, or if we get two teams uh, in the wild card via yeah via the wild card, it will happen. Someone is going to run into LA this postseason. Yep. And the question is then, of course, L.A. just looks so solid. Their defense played really well. They were in Derek Carr's head all night. Three interceptions, one return for a touchdown. Of course, the game is essentially already over at that point, but the point still stands. Their defense, their secondary, looked really, really solid. And a lot of people had questions, you know. Are all these, is this clash of big personalities and big time you know, persona larger than life egos, Akib Talib, Marcus Peters, and Dominican Sue. Like, how are these guys going to be able to mesh through one game? The answer to that question is definitely yes. And that makes the Rams a really scary team. And exactly. Yes. And that's usually how those start, though. Those experiments usually start a lot better than they end. Mm-hmm. So we'll just throw that out there. Um, but that the way that team is built, it is scary for when when you look at the Packers, how they match up against it. It is those are and the Packers have to go to L.A. Obviously, um, I would not want to have to face the Rams in the playoffs. Um, obviously, the regular season game, it's uh, it's not as big of a it's not a must win. But in a must win situation, I would not want to have to face the Rams. I mean, when you're looking at it on paper, there's not a lot of teams that you know outmatch the Rams. They're just, I mean, strictly looking at statistics and, you know, rosters and things like that, mm-hmm. there's, I mean, not a lot of teams that you're going to say this is a game they definitely should win. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be closely contested or Rams are going to be favorites. Mm-hmm. How long are the Rams going to be able to keep this up, though? They're going to have to pay Jared Goff. I mean, he's not pro- he is not going to pay or play on his fifth-year rookie option. He's going to want a deal. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the money... He's not going to be there. They're going to have to let some guys go. So is is this just a, a two-year window the Rams have to really make a shot at it right now? Then they're going to have to rebuild that roster after they re-sign Goff? Or how is this going to work? How is this going to play out? Mm-hmm. Well, they're absolutely going to have to shift some things around because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they also brought Sue in on a, on a one-year deal. Is that right? I think that was a one-year deal. I'm yeah. pretty sure it was kind a one-year like deal. Kind of like Muhammad Wilkerson, mm-hmm. just like Sheldon Richardson. There's a lot of defensive linemen trying to get their careers reborn on one-year deals right mm-hmm. now. Yep. Get some quick success. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I mean, with, with the Rams moving to Los Angeles, it's a big market to go to. So mm-hmm. these you know, guys are going to want to go there, get one-year deals, That's get part of this big market. Very true. And, and they had some big games. Those guys had some big games. Uh, Sheldon Richardson had a good game for the Vikings. Muhammad Wilkerson had a big impact for the Packers. And like you said, Ndamukong Sue, he just eats up blocks, whether he's making tackles or not, whatever. He, when he's on the field, he's making an impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now he's playing opposite Aaron Donald. That's every uh. offensive line's nightmare. That is what the Raiders should have had, but now don't, courtesy 
Khalil Mack trade, high-rate robbery, Chicago Bears. That's one thing I really like about the Packers, being able to match up with these defensive lines, having David Bakhtiari, having Brian Bulaga. Pro Football Focus has him rated. David Bakhtiari is always their highest-rated pass-blocking offensive lineman. Brian Bulaga is right up there. Um, they have a great pass-blocking offensive line. They have some holes on the inside, and that's right where Aaron Donald and Ndamukong Sue will be coming from. So I'm a little worried about that. But at least on the outside, the Packers can usually mitigate a pass rush. But with the way Khalil Mack was getting after it, ooh, yikes! It I did not—I honestly didn't expect that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, he was getting there a lot early. The second half, we made some adjustments, changed our scheme a little bit. He was a kind of a—I I don't want to say a non-factor, but his presence was not so overwhelming in, I, the, uh, yeah. in the second half of that game when Aaron Rodgers returned. I think it was kind of the whole defense got a little gassed. Mm -hmm. I think I think is what the whole team, the Bears seemed to get a little gassed. The Packers stayed consistent as they do and were able to pull it out in the nick of time. Um, in the nick of time, in no the kidding. Nick of time. In the absolute nick of time. I mean, look, looking at these games this week, you know, there's been a lot of just second half turnarounds. I mean, Raiders looked really good. They led the first half, and then second half was all Rams, 23 nothing scoring. That Packers game, Packers had to make a second half comeback. Jets went off in the second half, you know. One it, thing that hasn't really been mentioned, how impressive is it that the Packers stopped the Bears? You know, they basically stopped them twice on that last drive. They stopped them on fourth down, had that roughing the passer mm -hmm. call. Then the Bears had that big play over the middle. The, I believe they got in the Packers' territory. Mm -hmm. And then the Packers shut them down, uh, got the ball turned over on downs again. So they basically got the ball back on downs twice in one drive. Mm -hmm. And... The Packers, historically, their defense being there, you know, not being able to stop anybody, especially in crunch time, to be able to do that. Nobody's really mentioned that. I feel like it's been overlooked. I want to throw that out there. That is something you can really build on. And in the locker room, that is a big deal to those guys. That means a lot to that team moving forward as far as confidence. Mm -hmm. that, that's something we haven't seen from the Packers in a while, and that was a really a bright spot to build on. That really, uh, the locker room presence uh, you know, conversation doesn't actually get talked a lot about in uh, pro sports. Like, you know, Packers should be, you know, on cloud nine right now in their locker room. You know, Lions on the complete opposite end. And there's these teams who are having, you know, these second half rallies. And, you know, that's just building on confidence and things like that. And how big of an impact do you guys think that's going to have on, the, you know, the rest of these seasons with, you know, these game one big performances? It's a long season. You know, if there's anything football, these week one games, obviously they're important. We get an idea of what your team is about, what you look like, you know, we can kind of gauge where teams are at, at least relative to their competition to some degree. Chemistry-wise. Chemistry-wise, of course. But football is a very volatile game, and things will happen. So to, quickly. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Things will happen so quickly. I mean, we saw uh, injuries just cannot – their presence in football. We saw you know, LeGarrette Blunt go down yesterday for the for the Lions and that's now we're down a running back already. Aaron Rodgers is he going to play this weekend? He uh we Ryan Steeg and I mentioned this on the show yesterday. We read in the art in an article on ESPN that 
Rodgers uh, was undergoing some tests yesterday, and when the Packers have their press conference tomorrow, we will hear more about it from Rodgers. He said, though, as long as it's nothing major, he is going to continue to play, which is great music to the ears of Packer oh, fans. Is Steve, it ever? Steve oh, yeah. and I yesterday talked a lot about Packers still have issues concerning quarterback depth. I think they um, could win with Kaiser. I really do. I think they could win with Kaiser. If he it, could it's going to be tough. If he could keep from turning the ball over, he can make the throws. But can he keep from turning the ball over is the I'm issue? Because sure. since the start of last year, he's got 23 picks, which is yes. more than even Nathan Peterman. Yes, uh, and and I, I will say that is a big-time concern. Um, but mm-hmm. he can at least make the throws. Brett Hundley couldn't make a lot of the throws. At least Kaiser can make the throws. Mm-hmm. He can give him a chance. Yeah, well, that's probably that's prob- most likely reason number one that the Packers went out and got him in the off season yeah. was just he's still a raw talent. He's essentially one year removed from playing at Notre Dame, so they figure just put him behind Aaron Rodgers and hope for the best. Yeah, what is he? Twenty two years old, mm-hmm. something like still that. Still a really young and, guy. And another player that doesn't get mentioned that made the Packers fi- opening fifty three, Tim Boyle. You guys, did you guys watch him in the preseason much? I did not get a chance to. He was. I went to the Steelers Packers preseason game. He was very impressive in person. That guy will stand in the pocket, take a hit. He's not as athletic as you'd like uh, a young quarterback in today's NFL to be. But maybe he could make an impact if Rodgers is hurt. You never know. And you know, we'll see. Hopefully, it doesn't come to that. But of course. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever you got to do. Good fortune for the Packers this year. Uh, we're talking a lot about football. We also wanted to get into, we, we mentioned this in our pre-show meeting, the concept of ties in professional sports. We saw yep. Cleveland and Pittsburgh play to a tie. And honestly, I've got to be real here, I just think ties are the dumbest thing in professional sports ever. I loved the tie. Uh, a tie in 2013 is what got the Packers into the playoffs. They tied the Vikings. And uh, finished eight and seven and one, and they won the division over the Lions. So I liked it that year. But yeah, it, generally speaking, it, isn't there something they can do to get rid of a tie? There's no place for ties it, in professional it's sports. It's professional sports. There, I mean, there should be a winner every game. I mean, I personally, it could just be my competitive side, but I don't see a place in professional well, sports for ties. I've got a winner for you from that game. I picked the Browns. They tied. I, I said it before. I'm going to say it again. I picked the Browns against the Steelers. They tied. That counts as a win for me. I'm the winner. <laughs> I, I'll take the win. Mm. Give well, me the W. Well, the people who picked the Steelers to win, they, I mean, they didn't win either. So really, does anybody win? Nobody gets a win in the win column. You did pick the Browns. You get, you get some cojones there. But, the Browns know. didn't lose, though. They so sure did. They, they the got to be. The Cleveland Browns are the only team in the NFL that can snap a losing streak without actually winning. Now, you know, they didn't lose another game. They're not 0-17 over the past 17 yeah, games. They, They're 0-16-1. They, they snapped their losing streak. That Without is a great winning. way of looking at it. That is a, what an addition to the show that was. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But, of course, when your franchise has been in a place like Cleveland's has, there's really there's – you can only go up from 0-16. Basically. Of course, the Lions went through that just about a decade ago. So well, I'm I'm excited to see where the Browns go this year. I'm looking forward to this 0-0-16 season. I'm calling 16 ties this season. 16 <laughs> ties. All right. Well, you well you put it on air now. So uh, if it actually happens, yeah, no, it's, it's on wax. Guru Thomas, yep. Yep. he's got it on wax. You heard it here first. All right, you did hear it here first. And speaking of hearing things here first, stay with us because when we come back to the sports pen, we'll get to some Brewers talk. All right, stay with us. 
Now back to the sports pen. Here's Blake Froling. Pigskin Payday is back. Pick the winners of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the $100,000 grand prize only at Ojibwe Casinos, Barriga, and Marquette. Welcome back, Marquette. Max Stevens in studio for you alongside Thomas Dunstan, Charlie Bremer. Before we get back into the sports talk, Let him I, have have it. To, I have to call out Let him have our, it. Former, our former host, Blake Froling. I got to call him out. Loving this. Blake. I love you. You gave me a ton of opportunities to come in here with you, but I cannot let this go. We love you, but we got to rip on you. Mm-hmm. The rejoin that I just played was saved in the computer as rejoin Killing in the Name, which is a very different Rage Against the Machine song. We definitely just played Bulls on Parade. Blake, I'm very disappointed in you, man. You took two of my favorite songs by one of my favorite bands, yeah, and you just, just you mixed them up. It makes them. It's it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable, especially since those are the, their two most recognizable songs. Inexcusable. Like I, I feel like he's getting a strongly worded letter yeah. pretty soon. Blake, strongly worded, straight from a strongly Max, worded straight text message after I, this show. Hard Blake, I'm, that much. Blake, I'm stuck between these two dudes right now. They're just going off. You should have <laughs> been in here, man. I was writhing. In Blake's chair before the glass before of the door came, almost right. blew out yeah. when he saw that. Mm-hmm. He just let it go, man. Blake, what are you doing? Blake, what are you doing? Where are you at? You know, all right. But we digress. Of course, this is not as <laughs> a show all about our rejoins. We're talking sports today. And Charlie, you mentioned in, the, in our pregame, uh, talking about the or pre-show, talking about what we want to talk about I today. I love that. You, call it the pregame. Let's, refer, the pre- yeah, the pre-game let's show. refer to the it pre-game. as the pregame. The, the pregame, right, pre-show, pre-show. Uh, you mentioned you wanted to talk Brewers, so let's do it. Let's talk Brewers. Let's talk baseball. Season's kind of coming to a close, and of course, our Detroit team. Uh, we don't really want to talk about that, so we'll just go. We'll we're just finally, go right to the Brewers. Right, and we're finally we've got through the first 140 games. Now things can finally get interesting, right? We we know we know who's going to have a shot. So baseball can finally get interesting for the last three weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Brewers last night. Did it to the Cubs. Josh Hader came in, had six strikeouts over two innings. I don't know. What do they call that? The Is that two perfect innings, I guess? Yeah. You can call it that. Like, I mean. is it, it wasn't an immaculate inning. He didn't have the three strikeouts, nine pitches, immaculate type of inning. Um, but he did have six strikeouts over two innings, one of the best relief performances of the year by the best relief pitcher of the year so far. And the Brewers pulled within one game of the Cubs. I believe it was three days ago. They were four and a half games out. The Cubs lost a doubleheader to Washington, and the Brewers won. And the Brewers have been doing nothing but win. They've won 10 out of their last 11, 14 out of their last 18. Everybody's contributing. Their bullpen has pulled it back together. Uh, You know, that was a real strength of this team at the start of the season was their bullpen. Um, They'd get just enough out of their starters, pull their starters in the fifth, sixth inning, get to that bullpen. The bullpen was getting a little overused. Um, they brought in some new additions. Uh, the bullpen surged a little then, and, and then the new additions even got a little worn out. Um, now with the September call-ups, uh, innings were able a little bit easier to eat up these innings. Um, the main guys like Josh Hader, Joaquin Soria, Jeremy Jeffries, uh, Corey Knable is back. He got demoted to AAA. He spent 10 days down at AAA. He's come back over his last four outings. I believe 
in his last five innings over the last covering four outings, um, he struck out like 12 batters. Um, it, it's so these guys are back. Their offense is still eh, wishy-washy. They only scored three runs yesterday, but the Cubs only scored two. Um, if they can continue to have their relievers come out and if they can continue to count on these guys, they're going to win the division. The Cubs have no answer to what the Brewers can throw out there as far as relievers. If the Brewers can keep the game close, um, you know, the Cubs have a good bullpen too, but their guys, Carl Edwards Jr., Pedro Strope, these guys are getting a little taxed. The Brewers have a deeper uh, options, more options, and who saw the Brewers getting to within one game? You know, the winner of the game tonight will be in the lead of the division. Yes. Who saw that a week ago? Who saw that being even... I mean, I, I don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm out of words to say about mm -hmm. that. That is just shocking to me. The Brewers, I mean, they did make a lot of moves in the offseason, kind of moves that surprised some people. Uh, some, a lot of fans thought that, you know, the Brewers would try and take a, like a, maybe another year or two, just get a few more pieces, draft a few more times. But they, they made some moves, traded some prospects, got some guys, signed some guys in free agency. And, of course, now, as you mentioned, all the momentum's with the Brewers. Chicago just lost to Washington. Now they're playing the Brewers. Brewers, you know, they got their last game in the series tonight, win, they're in first place. Then the Cubs get fed back to the Nationals because they yes. had one game get rained out. So they got to go back to Washington, who they just dropped 2-2, to play another game after this series is all said and done and the Cubs schedule is rather daunting um the Brewers do play the play the Pirates coming up the Pirates always give the Brewers fits um but the Brewers have I believe every Thursday off for the rest of the season the Cubs have this daunting schedule they've got games to make up like you said and meanwhile the Brewers are getting days off every week mm -hmm. that's going to be a that's going to play a big part. It's obviously not as important when, you know, the, the rosters are expanded to 40-man. But I just really, even as a Brewers fan, uh, seeing this surge over the last week, it's just been incredible. Um, even because a couple weeks ago, uh, the Cardinals had overtaken the Brewers for the first wild-card spot. And now the Brewers, I believe they got three or four-game lead on the Cardinals. They're within one game of the Cubs. Um, the Dodgers were really hot. They've cooled off. Um, it kind of seems like Arizona and Colorado are kind of just beating up on each other out there. They've, they've been hovering around 10, 12 games over 500 for about three months now. It's like they, they, they surged at the start of the season. They all got to about 10, 12 games over 500, and they've been playing 500 baseball ever since. Mm -hmm. um, the Brewers are 21 games over 500 for the first time since 2011. They're back to getting just enough out of their starting pitching. I don't think really enough is being said about their offense. Um, obviously, Jonathan Scope finally had a big impact in the game. He hit a grand slam um, the other day off of Madison Bumgarner to win that game. But there are players like Jonathan Scope, Jesus Aguilar, has been in a power outage for the last six weeks. There are guys offensively that really need to step it up, and if they're able to do that, the Brewers have a real shot at winning this division um, because it seems like the bullpen is back, and they should be able to keep it together for the rest of the season. They just need a little pickup on offense. Um, guys like Christian, Christian Yelich has been carrying this team for two months. 
Um, same with Lorenzo Cain. He's been getting on base at a 400 clip now for the season. When are these other guys going to contribute consistently? They keep everybody kind of throws in a good week. They'll get a good week out of Jesus Aguilar. They'll get a good week out of Travis Shaw. They'll get a good week out of Mike Moustakis. Well, when are these guys going to all put it together and contribute consistently? And that's what the team needs offensively because right now their pitching is getting it done. It only You know how that is in baseball. Mm-hmm. It only lasts for so long. This offense is going to have to do something. And if they can... Ooh, I really, really like their chances. I've been so flip-flopping on the Brewers. Oh, they're, you know, early in the season, oh, they got such a great chance at winning the division. Then it was, oh, well, at least they'll get the wild card. Now I'm back to, oh, they got such a good chance at winning the division. But the offense has to freaking step up and do something here. Mm-hmm. They have to get it done. You know, I think Max and I will be the first ones to admit that you are leagues ahead of us in terms of being a fan of baseball. So yeah, I'm, I, I gotta, I gotta apologize. It's a little unfair. I watch about 150 Brewers games a year, and it's unfair that I have the time to do oh, that. No, oh no, so it's it's, it's good for us because we're gonna take a look forward. Favorites for uh, favorites for World Series, or you know, coming to the end of the year here. Who are your favorites? I, Give us, you know, four or five. What do I, you think? I really am biased. Obviously, I want to say the Brewers. I really, I don't know if they have the starting pitching to get it done in a series when a team can bring out their best starters. Um, there, you know, it, it goes from being a five-man rotation to a three-man rotation. The Brewers five-man rotation can compete because they just have five average guys and but when you're taking the top three guys from a team and starting them every day the Brewers aren't getting to face these number four and number five pitchers that really hurts them in a playoff series Uh, I want to say the Brewers are my NL pick but who else you got the offense just hasn't been consistent enough um it's really a crapshoot in the NL. Um, it's probably, I hate to say it, it's probably going to be the Cubs. There are so many teams in the NL. What happened to the Washington Nationals? I'm with, glad you brought that up that because I was staff, going to. It's How do you have on your roster Bryce Harper, Max Scherzer, and Steven Strasburg? Anthony and, Rendon. And, yeah, and still be a game under 500. That is incredible, and and the thing of it is, is those guys, obviously, Bryce Harper had a down season when it comes to uh, his his uh, batting average, mm-hmm. but his OPS is up. He's still hitting for power. Anthony Rendon's having a good season. Uh, Max Serger's having a good season. So how are they losing all these games? It doesn't make any sense. And and a team like the Brewers, I believe the Brewers have actually uh, been outscored. You know, as throughout the season, they've won a ton of one-run games. And I believe the Brewers, after leading, if they have the lead in the seventh inning or later, they are 68-4. and And that's a reason why they've been able to to put themselves in the position they're in. The NL is just such a crapshoot. These teams, Arizona, Colorado, which team's going to get hot? It's so hard to say. Well, you, you mentioned the strength of the uh, the Brewers in closing out games, and that has to that has to do you favors in the postseason because you look and when you play, you're on such a condensed schedule and you get more breaks in the postseason. 
you don't have to be gun shy when you go into that bullpen. Yep. You can go exactly for who you need and when you need them. You don't have to worry about the fact that you still got 100 games on your schedule. You got, you know, three in the series. So you, it does you a big favor. If your bullpen is that strong and they can keep playing that consistently coming down to the stretch and into the postseason, the Bruins have got to be one of the favorites to come out of the NL Central. Well, and, and if the Brewers don't win the division, I really, really, really like their chances in a wild card game mm-hmm. because of the depth of their bullpen. If they needed to, they could go to the bullpen in the third inning and, and have all the innings covered essentially by aces. But once they get into a full series, they're going to need innings out of a starter. And who's going to deliver? They're so inconsistent. Chase Anderson has the stuff. He's just inconsistent. Jimmy Nelson hasn't pitched all year. He's their ace. He's their natural number one ace. He hasn't pitched all year. He'll be back next year. But who, who, would, who would be the guy to step up? I, I couldn't tell you. Um, I would hope there would be some guys ha- that could have some hot games. But, you know, that's just like, we keep, like I keep saying, that's a crapshoot. The Dodgers are a scary team if they can make the postseason. As far as the AL, I mean, you, you have to say – you know, you've got Houston, you got the Yankees, you've got, you know, even even Oakland, even mm-hmm. even they could make it. The AL is so stacked, and there are so many teams. But it's it's kind of funny because it's kind of j- just like the NL. Even though they've got these stacked teams, it's still a crapshoot. It's impossible to pick who's going to come out mm-hmm. because there's so many good teams. There's no bad pick. In the AL, I mean, I mean, you could argue Cleveland would probably be the the least favorite, yep. but they're still a really solid ball club. And I mean, you look, Boston is going to have a hundred wins by the end of the season. Oh, you know, any Boston, any one of these teams, Houston could get wins. hot. Houston could get hot. You know, the Yankees could get hot. Oakland could get hot. Any one of these teams could finish with a hundred plus wins. It's it's going to be a ridiculous postseason, and just the fact that we can't see, you know, that those teams aren't going to be able to meet you know for a series we'll just have to settle for watching two of these teams go at it for the pennant and i really i really hope that oakland can win um the wild card game against the yankees it, it would make it a little more interesting um but it, it's kind of funny how you said there's not a bad pick in the al because in the nl there's not really a good pick who, who who's your good solid pick in the nl i mean you could say the dodgers they made it last year but with how inconsistent they've been this year Maybe the Cubs are your good pick, but they're inconsistent as well. The Brewers have just as many wins as the Cubs. They've just played less. Ga- they've played more games. So there's not really a good pick in the NL. There's not a bad pick in the AL. That's basically where it sits right now. You brought up the Dodgers, though, as a potential team. They're actually out of the playoff contention right now. They're two games yep. out of the yep. wild card spot. Uh, St. Louis is beating them out right now. They're yep. two games in front. And I really think. Um, the Dodgers have been playing good baseball lately. Um, now they they have lost uh, two out of their last three, I believe. But they're a team that you can really look towards, really look for to get hot. Um, I would be relatively surprised if they didn't overtake uh, St. Louis for that final wild card spot. And uh, if they do, I really hope the Brewers can win the division. Wouldn't a, wouldn't a Cubs Dodgers wild card game? That would be a great game. <laughs> Absolutely. A whole lot on the line there. And of course, stay with us because when we come back for our last segment on the sports bin, we got a question for our Detroit sports team. Stay with us. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Blake Froling. Ladies and gentlemen, I know you couldn't wait. The Pigskin Payday is back. 
pick your winners of each games of each week's game to win. Play all season long for the hundred thousand dollar prize. Only at a Jibboy Casinos, Barriga, Marquette. All right, welcome back to the Sports Pen. Max Stevens in studio for you alongside Thomas Dunstan and Charlie Bremer. The last segment we teased, we got a question to ask of Detroit Sports. Because uh, obviously Detroit Sports not in a great place right now. But we want to look ahead to greener pastures. So out of our four sports teams, my question is this. Which team is most likely to compete for a championship first? Well, I don't know. I'm still over here. Uh, I'm tending to my scraped knee I just got when I tripped and fell during that live read. So <laughs> you, guys, you guys take it. You guys take it. I'm over here tending to myself. Well, it's been 10 years since Detroit has had a title. The last time we, uh, the city won anything was when the Red Wings beat the Penguins before, of course, the Penguins came back with a vengeance the next year and they got us in seven. But it's been 10 years. It's been quite a, quite a while for Detroit sports. Wow. And unfortunately, none of these teams, like, there's no real there's no, good answer yeah, here. no. I mean, there's so many ways you can think about this. Uh, each team does have a couple of pros, a lot of cons uh, at the moment for just the way the teams are playing, the way they're running. Um, I initially was sort of leaning towards the Red Wings, but when you start looking at their contracts, there's a lot of you know contracts for older players, you know, not that yeah. great of a future at the moment. Um, there are some pretty great uh, draft picks coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, college prospects have always been very, very good in hockey. You know, the big names, you don't see a lot of flops that often. So, I mean, Red Wings, just in terms of looking at the close future, I would honestly have to go with them as much as I don't want to say that. <laughs> you know, I, you you brought up the Red Wings, and I think it's a great place to start because – I think even if they don't compete for a title first, I think right now the Red Wings have the best future out of all of our Detroit sports organizations. And I say that because, admittedly, as much as I disagree with some of Ken Holland's, uh, our general manager's moves in recent years, as much as I disagree with some of that, this year he, he really hit the nail on the head. We had the most draft picks out of any team in the NHL. We had some pretty good uh, first-round draft picks. We drafted, I can't remember his name, but he was a pretty highly uh, highly valued forward who um who slipped to uh who slipped to our position and of course you got to ask well why did he why did he slip you know i can, we can't really answer that until he plays you know there perhaps are some concerns there but the point is is we got someone we went out and we got someone we weren't supposed to be able to get you got to like that um made a lot of trades got got i just love that we got a lot of picks i'm i'm all in on tanking i think if you want to if you want to rebuild and you really want to be good for a lot of years down the road, you got to set yourself up. You know, we saw it with Philadelphia. Sam Hinkie's the goat, and as much as everyone ragged on the Sixers for all those years that they were just terrible, winning ten out of eighty-two games, you know, twelve out of eighty-two games, they were awful. No, I mean, but you look at them years, now. It's now you know they're they're in contention for the East. Yeah, well, you also have the other argument of. And and I and during during the break I, I threw it out there, with how equally poor, the Detroit the Detroit sports market is, how awesome is it to be a Wisconsin sports fan right now? The Badgers, Bucks, Brewers, Packers, they're all have a chance to win titles, but the Bucks never tanked. 
really the only year you could say they tanked was when they got Jabari. What did Jabari ever do for the Bucks? Bye-bye. That's a bit of a a soft subject for Milwaukee fans. Other than tear his ACL a few times. Exactly. So bye-bye Jabari. Um, That's really the only season they tanked. Other than that, they were always signing veteran free agents, trying to compete, trying to win 40 games, trying to get that 7th, 8th spot in the playoffs. And then eventually they hit on Giannis and a few mid first round draft picks and now i mean you you could go into the saying into the season saying philadelphia is ahead of milwaukee but i would argue that milwaukee is better than philadelphia as of right now um so you know who's not in that picture the pistons Pistons. yes no No, uh, they're but so do you really have to tank though like the pistons do you really have to tank to rebuild? Well, I don't think you do. Here's my issue with the Pistons. They did not rebuild. Okay, The Pistons, what they've done is propel themselves into perpetual mediocrity, mediocrity excuse me, at least at least until Blake Griffin's contract. Yeah. And that's we're what the Bucks be, did. We're going to be paying a 32, 32-year-old Blake Griffin, what, like $39 million? Uh, There's no way contract. he declines his player option. He's not going to get that kind of money anywhere else being a 31 year old forward playing the way Blake Griffin does. And you know, you mentioned the Bucks never tanked. They also got really lucky. They drafted a Tenacumpo fifteenth. And and that's what it takes, really. Yep. And I mean, just looking at the past how many years for the Pistons, they haven't gotten lucky like that. No. They've well how much of it was luck and how much of it was just draft ineptitude. The Pistons yep. could have had instead of Stanley Johnson and Luke Kennard, we could have had Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker. Yep. So there are so many. The, I mean, we could sit you, here yeah. and really pick that year apart. after year. We absolutely could because I, I remember I did a, I did a show with Blake, or maybe I wasn't on, but I heard a show with Blake where he said, you know, maybe he was looking at Kennard and going, you know, maybe he wasn't the right pick, but he wasn't like a bad twelfth yeah, overall. pick. I was with Blake on I that. Pick. I can't. I can't buy that logic. You I was with You could have had if you were to ask me. Hey, both Kennard and Donovan Mitchell are available at pick number thirteen or twelve or whichever yeah, it pick it was. Gimme gimme Mitchell. Like it's not even a contest. Kennard was really the safer pick though. Yeah. You knew what you were getting with him. The Pistons right, needed a perimeter what player. We were getting they needed a player to space the floor. They needed a three point shooter, and that's what they got. They knew what Kennard was gonna add to the team. Donovan Mitchell had much more many more question marks. We get to that, look at that it. That is very true. We yeah. get to look at it in hindsight. That makes it real easy. But mm. at the time, it was it was really more fifty fifty. It was really more there's split a, down the yeah, middle. Yeah, there's a lot of arguments that could have been made for the both sides, and I mean, Pistons and, just didn't win out on and, this. And one. since the Bucks were in that mediocrity, they they were in they were in the Pistons position for the last twenty years. So I kind of feel for them. I stand with Blake on the Luke Kennard pick. I think that was a solid pick. I think he's still going to grow as an NBA player. You can't have enough guys on your roster that are going to shoot 40% from deep. And he adds that to the team. He plays solid defense. Uh, I mean, you get a few more guys like that on the team, you're talking a whole other outcome. But And and as far as the Bucks being able to pick up Giannis, it's the same thing. There were 14 teams that year that had a chance to pick Giannis before the Bucks did, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, so looking at everything with hindsight, it's so easy. Um, eventually, 
if you don't tank, you are going to have to get very lucky, mm. and it will happen. It took 20 years for the Bucks. How long will it take for the Pistons? As far as what team has a chance as soon as possible in the foreseeable future, in the foreseeable future I picked the Lions. They have the franchise quarterback. They All they need, on Johnson could still turn out to be a solid NFL back. They have the core they need. They just got to hit on a few more mid-round draft picks next year, and and they could be right back in the discussion. I mean, especially in in a game like football, uh, who knows? Next year, Kirk Cousins could break his leg. Aaron Rodgers could be out. It mm-hmm. could be the lion season. You never know. Well, a lot of people were saying that last year. And granted, nobody that saw... That was their season. Granted, it really was. Nobody saw Case Keenum and the Vikings coming. No. But granted, when Chicago was starting a rookie, Aaron Rodgers goes down, and Bradford goes down for Minnesota, and Minnesota also lost Dalvin Cook, a lot of people looked at it and went, this is the Lions' shot it to was. win the division. And so then they went out and they didn't do it. Right. Yeah. That's exactly it. 2013. That is... I really nobody really ever talks about that season. That was the Lions season to really change their fortunes around, really turn their franchise around and and it seems like when they choked that year, it's like they've never recovered. No. And of course the only other franchise in this in this conversation that we have yet to mention is the Tigers, who right now are just in a in a bad place. Of course in the MLB the only sport that doesn't allow you to trade draft picks. So it makes the the rebuilding process at least the draft also because like there you know there's 80 rounds so it's not as important in baseball the Tigers are gonna they got at least they two, got along. anywhere they, from two to five they years can, they can acquire left. they can acquire uh, international pool money mm-hmm. which they've which they've done with uh, trades like Leonis Martin and stuff this year and I really think the Tigers. Um, this is what Rod Gardenhire does. He builds teams. I really think he's going to have the Tigers in position a lot quicker than people are saying. They're saying three to five years. I think two to three years. I really think the Tigers are going to have it turned around. They'll be playing at least 500 baseball in two to three years. One can only hope because it is painful to see nothing but bad baseball on Fox Sports Detroit on the, over the summer. I mean, just bad sports in general. Bad well, it, at least, for the time at being. At least Mario and those guys can make it entertaining, get in some fights for us. That yeah, makes it yeah, entertaining. That's another right? great that's scene, and that's that's how we'll end today. That's all the time we have on the Sports Ben. Thanks so much for tuning in to us today, and until next time, see you later, Marquette.